Okay, and welcome to another episode of Empire. My name is Pete Barenberg. I'm here along with my host, Nick DeFrancesco, CEO and founder of Purewell. What's going on there, Nick? Thanks, Pete. Yeah, I'm excited about our next guest for sure. Um, you know, look, I wanted to say thank you for everybody that's been tuning in, and we wanted to make a special promo code for you guys. So if you go on to Purewell, purewell.com, P-U-R-W-E-L-L.com, and put in that hemp 20 code, anything that you have that you want to get onto Purewell, you guys are going to get 20% off. And I just thought I'd throw that out to you because I wanted to thank you guys for always listening to the show and supporting it. And, um, kind of hook you up a little bit so um i'm definitely excited went to high school with our next guest so pretty excited to have him on pete come on tell tell us who we got yeah man well you seem to be pretty familiar with him considering we're talking to a man who has walked from delaware to california in the name of cancer and like i said this is not a forrest gump remake here we're talking to keith dobbin keith how's it going man uh, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. It's, you know, it's amazing um, to, you know, meet up with old friends and uh, kind of meet up with new ones, too. Thanks for having me. So obviously, Keith, you know, we, we went to high school together, played soccer together, obviously played lacrosse together, uh, went to school, went classes, everything, all that good stuff. And, and um, you know, it, when I had seen what you had did, uh, what you had you know, walked and you had accomplished, I had not known about that at first. So I had, I was just checking up on my Facebook and I had saw pictures. It was a little while ago, but, and I was just like, that is absolutely amazing. I mean, and that's what I thought of Pete. I thought of Forrest Gump, right? I mean, that's the first thing I thought. Um, uh, How could you not? And uh, so I definitely want to get into what made you do this um, and, and, you know, and when you started that journey. So I know you said you had a quote, you said, I was just trying to do my part so that the future families don't have to go through what I did. Finding a cure or a new way of fighting cancer all starts with the scientists. So tell us what sparked that, right? I mean, what, what made you do this? Well, th- there's several reasons um, that I decided to do this. Um, so, uh, so several years ago, uh, my father passed away from cancer. And, you know, at that point, you know, it was a really, you know, sad moment for our family and I. Um, but I didn't really think about doing something for cancer at that time. You know, we're just sad. So there was there was no thought process in there. Um, and then about and then about uh, after I left Korea, um, I moved to Hawaii for a little bit, and my business partner got really sick, and so he uh, he's still very sick now, and he can't walk, and he's stuck in a wheelchair, and he needs a couple, um, you know, um, new organs that need to be transplanted. So he's a lot younger than us, and that makes you think. You know, when when you see a guy that's younger than you, his life is kind of deteriorating right in front of your eyes. You start becoming really grateful for your health um, and how healthy you are. And you kind of start thinking about that you don't want to waste it while you are still young and able to use it. So at that moment, when I was in Hawaii, I kind of decided I was like, I want to do something epic. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, and that kind of seedling kind of start catching on. And I did a lot of research and I was like, you know, 
I'm going to walk across the U.S. And at that moment, I didn't think about doing it for cancer research. I kind of did it for, I, I, was, I was thinking more in terms of the line of doing it more for showing the world that there are still good people out there. Um, but when I came home and I was talking to my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, that's a great thing, but you should do it something that really feel connected to, that you can back and you can do all this. And he's the one that kind of was like, just write down two or three ideas that you really, really can back. And I was like, all right. And I thought about it. And two of the big things that I thought about was adoption and cancer. And ultimately, in the end, I decided to walk across the U.S. to raise money for cancer research. Which is an amazing, amazing feat and amazing. Um, well, let, well, let's talk about, first of all, let's talk about why you said adoption. So, so okay. Keith, um, Keith was adopted. Um, you could go into that uh, a little bit and, and your story, because you just said, you know, went back to Korea, right? So th- yeah. let them know exactly how your life went, because it was pretty crazy, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so started, you were born in Korea? Yeah. So Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So I was born in Korea. Can we start that question again? Right. Okay. You got it. No problem. <laughs> So let's talk about that. Let's talk about why you said adoption in there Give as well. Give me 10 seconds or a silent pause before you, you start. It. Thank you. All right. So you said cancer and adoption, but let's go to adoption first. I want everybody to know your story because I feel like it's it's really an amazing story. So you were born in Korea, all right, and then lead them on after that. What happened? Yeah, so I was born in Korea, um, and... Um, I lived there for seven years uh, with my, you know, um, uh, I guess, biological mom and dad. Um, And then my mom decided to run away when I was really young. And it was just my dad and I. And, uh, you know, to make a long story short, to kind of sum it up, um, he passed away. um, And uh, he was when he passed away, I was basically sleeping right next to him. So that was wow. kind of a, uh, wow. you know, scary moment for me. Um, that was like <laughs> my least. first yeah, experience, wow. I guess, with death. <laughs> wow. Uh, and such a, such an early age. Yeah. And then so uh, in around like 1986, 1987, Korea was not the richest country. You know, they're still recovering from the Korean War. And, uh, you know, there's still a lot of the small towns that, people were living in were still, uh, you know, very poor. So when I was living with my dad, we grew up very, very poor. I had to beg food, you know, I think school. Um, and this lasted until I was seven years old, until my dad passed. And then after that, so my oldest uncle came and uh, took me um, into his house to try to raise me. But like I said, Rio's not the richest place. And he already had a couple kids of his own. So it ended up that, you know, uh, trying to raise another kid was very, was financially difficult for them. And um, as much as they hated it, I guess, um, they decided to put me up for adoption, uh, which, uh, so, uh, so I got put into an orphanage when I was seven. And I think I, la- I think I stayed there for maybe six or seven months before I got adopted. 
Nice. And then I made my way to here in the U.S. And so somebody from Pennsylvania. Um, and, and why this is all coming to, to fruition here is the man that obviously adopted you, which was your now adopted father, is the one that you just talked about had cancer, and he ultimately had passed away from cancer, but had brought you to Pennsylvania. And of course, uh, if anybody doesn't know, because not everybody's going to know who Keith is, Keith was a phenomenal and still is a phenomenal athlete. I mean, multi-athlete, I mean, just anything that he did, he was great at. Um, and, uh, he was just one of those guys, you know? And so, um, but to have that opportunity, I mean, lower Marion, uh, you know, being in Harridan is, is, you know, a more affluent area. It's the main line. Um, so definitely a nice, a nice change from coming from Korea and, and not being as wealthy to being able to have a, a, a very nice, uh, you know, upbringing, let's be honest, right? So definitely blessed that way as well. So when I heard that you were going to do this, I was just, when, when we had done this, I go, what would possess somebody to do this? And so let's talk about the, the, the cancer side, right? Because obviously, you know, horrible. I mean, many people in this country uh, know somebody, a relative, a friend who's ever, you know, everybody that has, has been touched by cancer. So um, it's a it's a great cause. Um, and, and of course, um, why you specifically went after, um, I know you raised about $57,000, right? And you donated it to the Cancer Research Institute based on transparency and their innovative immunotherapy research. So tell us what that specific uh, group made. How, why did you pick that, that exact group? Yeah, so I was doing a lot of different research of who I wanted to kind of back on my wall. Um, and, you know, because, uh, like, you know, just, just in terms of what I realized and what I was hearing, like, if you were to, if you were to look at some of the other cancer, um, places that you can donate to, you look at the percentage that actually goes into the research and the percentage that goes into like the overhead costs. So, you know, a lot of them that are the big ones, if you look at it, like, every dollar that is donated, only maybe like five cents goes into the research and 95 cents goes into the overhead. And, you know, and then, yeah. And then you look at- It sounds a little bit like a racket. Yeah. <laughs> and, you look at, and you look at some of the CEOs that are, you know, that are doing these type of nonprofit organizations, but they're driving like BMWs, living in multi-million dollar homes, you know, and, and I just thought to myself, like, why do I need to, you know, enlarge our pockets a little bit more and give them, you know, a platform to say, oh, please donate to us. So I found the um, cancer, um, uh, the institute um, where, and they, on their, on their front page. The Cancer Research Institute. Yeah. On their, on their front page, they basically said for every dollar that is spent, 80 cents goes to the research and only 20 cents goes to, you know, the overhead cost, which right. is, you know, well, that, that's a much better percentage. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And okay. And, and $57,000 is nothing to sneeze out. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and to tell all the listeners, you started in Delaware, you ended up in 
uh, San Francisco. San Francisco. So true Forrest Gump style, right? <laughs> Did you grow there? Did you have the beard? Because I want to talk to you about how this all went down. But I want to know if you looked like him by the end. This is what. <laughs> Dude, I, I can't. I can't grow anything. I mean, like, you know, I, I shaved today, but even if I were not to shave for a month, I would just have like a little peach fuzz. Like, I can't. I, it, I just don't grow any like facial hair. <laughs> well, um, you know, you went on to TikTok to log on the miles, and you now have over two million likes on those videos. So, tell us about that response. Tell us about you know, obviously the fan mail. I'm sure the support, the engagement you got, the engagement. Yeah. So when I started, uh, when I started this walk. Um, I knew I needed to raise, my goal was about $50,000, right? And I've never raised that much in anything before. It's I a lot of money. It's a lot of money for an individual to raise. And I was like, and I was like, hey, I'm going to shoot the moon because I'm going to do something epic. I'm going to just try it. And in the back of my mind, I was like, no way I'm going to get 50000 This was in the beginning, of course. Right. I was like, no way am I going to reach $50,000. But if I were to reach... You know, if I had set my goal for ten thousand, I would have been happy with five thousand. Right. But if I set my goal for fifty thousand and I only reached five thousand, I wouldn't be happy. So I I set it high. So I was hoping to at least get maybe like, you know, twenty thousand. You know. Yeah. Um, but still. Yeah. And so uh, and so because uh, so because of that, I um I forgot where I was going. You went on to TikTok. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so I started making um so I just decided to make brand new social media pages, one on Instagram and one on TikTok. I had zero followers on Instagram on the new page and I had zero followers on TikTok. Um I just made it, just started making videos, posting them, hoping that I would get the traction. Um and then for the first like, you know, 30, 32 days, 30, you know, 33 days. Uh, you know, I had maybe about 900 followers um, on TikTok. Um, I was just posting it. And then I woke up one morning, I think it was day number 34. And I went from like 900 to like 5,000. Like, wow. Wow. That's, that's incredible. I was like, geez. So, and then an hour later, that 5,000 turned into 50,000. And then from there, like in matter of, 24 hours, I think I had reached about 130,000 followers. That's crazy. Uh, and then in 48, I think I hit uh, 200 and something. Right. It just so, kept on. You started yeah. getting into the algorithm and then it was just onto the races. Yeah. But how amazing in such a short amount of time to go from 900 to over 200,000. I mean, obviously, you know, 2 million, uh, you know, likes on these videos at this point is a little more than 200,000. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, that's really amazing because, but that shows, I mean, let, let's talk about it. You know, there's a still some eyes. A lot of eyes. There's a lot of people that want to support not just the trash that's on social media all the time, right? And all the bullshit that you see, but really a, a cause that is, you know, near and dear to many people, millions of people's hearts and someone that has the balls to do it, right? You have people that don't get out of bed in the morning because of, they don't want to get out of bed. And you're talking about somebody who got out of bed and walked 
to the other side of the country on foot. And now let's talk about this because I have the list here. Let, let's go 5,000 miles. Let, let's, let's, it, a tent, an air mattress, medical supplies, two types of water filtration systems, two waterproof bags, two solar powered battery packs, a portable stove, and enough peanut butter crackers and granola bars to last until he revives in the next town. Someone got a Costco card. Wait, there's more, Pete. Hold on. <laughs> what, that was in his right pocket? But that's it. There's also a tripod for his camera, a four-inch 3D-printed figurine, and he had a drone, which I do remember the drone. I think the drone broke or something. Yeah, it did. Yeah, so, and then you, I obviously shipped that back to Pennsylvania. But So tell me how you planned this. Because now everyone's like, why is this show? We're not talking about cannabis. Um, I got to be honest with you. I think he wishes that he probably had cannabis when he was, uh, you know, throwing this whole trip to make this better, carrying God knows how many pounds. So, yeah. So let's talk about this. How did you plan this? How much did this weigh? This is incredible. Um. So in the beginning, I basically packed everything except for the kitchen sink. So my backpack <laughs> weighed about like 75, I think about 75 pounds um, when we weighed it. And it was, <laughs> oh my God. It, it was, it was pretty brutal. Um, I made, I made it all the way to Maryland um, before I was like, uh, uh-uh, I can't, I can't. Do this. <laughs> right. So in Maryland, uh, my cousin lives there. And so I called him up and I told him, I was like, Hey, uh, let me spend the night. I need to, you know, reorganize my backpack. And so I reorganized everything. And it was still pretty heavy, but uh, but I took maybe about 15 pounds off. Uh, well, yeah, but still, it's 15 pounds is a lot. Yeah. Especially and, walking like that. And they, they did actually make a mistake, I think, in that article. I didn't bring a, um, like, a, a mini stove. Um, I didn't bring anything to cook with. But what did you bring? A lacrosse stick, all right? Yes, and we're going to talk about this. Now, mm-hmm. getting the support. Now, obviously, you lightened your you lightened your bag and everything. You had all this mm-hmm. stuff. Were the people that were on TikTok or just in general, I mean, how are you getting help, right? I mean, because you're talking about these people are watching the videos or people that you know, you're walking. You know, obviously, you have this the water filtration and things. So you got to think about, you know, you need enough calories to get over. Over. So how did that work? I mean, were you sleeping over in tents? Are you, are people giving you food? Are you going to eat? I mean, it's like, tell me how this is all happening. Huh? So in the beginning, I, so there, there was a trail, which I followed for most of the way called the American discovery trail. And it's a trail which uh, connects Lewis, Delaware to uh, San Francisco, but it's not just like, one long trail. It's um, I don't know if you guys know what rails to trails is. It, it's no. kind of like old railroad uh, that is not used. They get made into kind of trails. Oh, that's so awesome! People, okay, so so people can walk on it, and um, and there's and literally a trail that that does this. I mean, I want you to go into this. I'm just saying, I still cannot fathom this. That it's from Delaware. It literally is goes straight through to it, San Francisco. It's not just a trail. It's a con- it's like a whole bunch of different trails connected. Okay, yeah. I, I, well, I understand that, but I mean, it's right. one continuous. Yeah, that you can that you can walk in. Oh. But there's like so they'll they'll do like rails to trails, and then 
the next section you'll be walking on next to like a highway and then after that you'll be walking in these small towns that you know and then all of a sudden after a while Ghost you towns. might hit another rails to trails uh, okay run. so it, it's like it, they, they take all the walkable uh streets trails and they connect it together to be able to uh, right it's like a uh, a man-made uh, gps system right so um but but i guess what my question is now i why well, the fact that they made this i wonder if people so people are doing what a couple states maybe or uh, through that state a walkable trail i mean i'm sure not everybody i mean we know that people are not just going from delaware to, to california so is it just that it's for people that normally want to walk in a certain state that they have an area or i mean how did they come up with this trail it's amazing so from what i understand is that each state that the trail goes through has kind of a um uh like a I guess a leader that kind of takes care of that section of the Got trail. Okay. And then so every state has a different, you know, different person that is in charge of their section. Okay. But when people walk it, like, you know, they, they can walk whatever. If they just want to walk, you know, one kilometer, they can walk one kilometer. You know, it, it's not, it's not something that like you need to sign up for or you, you just, so you'll be walking like, especially in Maryland, um, uh, there's this like one long trail and it is so busy because it's just a it just uh you're just going through maryland and it's just a like this section that goes through this town so like you're you're walking next to bikers and you know walkers and you know uh, kids on their bikes so you don't even feel like you're in nature you're just in the middle of a town that's just going through and then once you pass like that town you know, it becomes empty. Right, right. It just, it just continues. <laughs> right. My trail keeps going and yours <laughs> stops. Um, so now what do you do for food and, and, and all that stuff that we were talking about, like sleeping? I mean, I, I, people must ha definitely have these questions I do. I mean, what are yeah. you doing for these types of things? So when I decided to do this, I would always see where my next town was and how long. So if it was like if it was maybe like 60 miles, let's say from the town I'm at to the next town, 60 miles, um, I would try to pack enough food for maybe three days or four days. Um, but not like, you know, not like cooking food. It would be just, you know, your, uh, you know, peanut butter crackers or uh, granola bars or, you know, so something that's very easy to eat without cooking anything. And, um, and then once I got into that town, I would eat a big meal. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you at least have something that you know, hold you over, but, yeah. but you're having, but you're, you are eating. I, that was always my question. Like only because you probably don't think about it right until you get hungry that first time. And you're like, wait, am I killing my, my food? Am I picking berries and eating leaves? I mean, what's actually happening? I mean, are we on the Oregon trail here? Do I have enough, you know? So, um, and, and having all that, that supplies and then water, same thing, or, or, you know, as you said, you had that, the, well, we said you had that filtration, water filtration. What are you doing for that as well? I mean, is there streams and things like that where you're filtering water? Are you just buying bottles of water? I'm just curious. Yeah. A lot, of, so I pass, I pass by like uh, the what is it, the like the Ohio River, the Colorado River, and there's a lot of streams that you would pass by. 
So I, I kind of knew that if I had enough water for maybe like, you know, um, two or three days worth, I would always find at least some place that I can fill up my water bottles. Um, and then if I were to pass like someone's home and I was running out, I would go up to, I'm like, excuse me, can I fill up my water bottle? <laughs> now, were they responsive to this or like, so some people were weirded out. I mean, somebody comes knocking on my, it's not like it used to be where everyone had a, a cake and some, uh, alcohol waiting for you. Now they're like, why is somebody knocking on my door? <laughs> oh, you wouldn't be welcoming to a guy coming out of the woods with a lacrosse stick. <laughs> Oh, oh, believe me. And do, like the, the time I was doing this was even a uh, lot tougher for me because I was doing it during the COVID pandemic. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that even makes it. So make sure you wear a mask if you're coming to get that water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was. It, it, so people, you know, um, at that time, you know, COVID was still pretty new. So they didn't right. really know anything about it. They just know it was. You know, it was a very easy to spread and whatever. Right. So they think he's you know, out there in the woods planting it. Right, right, right. At that point. So now, now I was going getting back to that question, that, that TikTok thing. Like TikTok's, you know, live. You could do live. Is that how you would do it? You do it live, right? As you're doing it, right? So my question is: is do people meet you out there or support you now that you had all those followers? kind of maybe giving you supplies or or, or uh, cheering you on or supporting you in, in any way. Throw water at you. Throw water at you. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's, we, we call them like through hikers um, that are, that have hiked a long time. Anyone that kind of gives you stuff, we call them trail angels. Um, okay. It's just, it, it, it's people that help you along the way that, you know, and that you don't know, they're just total strangers. So they'll give you water or food or whatever. But when I, when I became pretty well known on TikTok, uh, people would text me and they're like, I saw you here, you know, oh my God, you know, I wanted to stop, but you were next to a highway and I couldn't. <laughs> right. um, and then like people would literally, like if it wasn't a highway where they could stop, people would literally stop and they're like oh my god you're kcd adventure can we take a picture with you and they would ask me a whole bunch of questions and do all this and i'm like yeah of course um and it's got to be a great feeling right i mean you're doing something for an amazing cause you're raising money because obviously they're also supporting you financially uh for the cause so that must have been just an amazing feeling that, that you know that, that people that are recognizing you for doing what you're doing yeah it, it was a great, it, uh, it was and is still a great feeling um, to have all these supporters kind of backing you in a way. Now, I, uh, it, when I first started, like, I didn't, like, uh, please don't get me wrong, like, I didn't ask them to donate to me. I always asked them to donate to the cause. Well, of course, yeah. But some people, they did want to help me out along the way, so people would donate to my um uh you know i guess what you call it all the my venmo or but your personal bank account, account. let's just say yeah. it right yeah. <laughs> it's good absolutely they, okay and they would they would you know they would be like hey we want you to you know uh, are your next meals on me or your next pair of shoes please you know use this to use this for them and how many pairs of shoes did you go to <laughs> yeah, that's a great question three okay 
not as bad as I thought. I mean, not, 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 I mean, it's still three pairs of shoes, but and now just, just for the listeners out there, what exact, what shoes were you wearing? I mean, these, you know, these were on Converse, I hope. With no, no, no. Sure, they were, uh, <laughs> Chucks. They were, they were hiking boots. Nice. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So that's actually, that's kind of crazy because, you know, I feel like that would be heavy for walking. Like, I, I would probably throw on some sneakers, you know, like. He was already had 60 pounds on his back. What's another 10 pounds? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. And let's talk about that. How much weight did you lose? Oh, God. I ended up losing, I think, about about maybe 20, 25 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So everybody looking for that next diet. <laughs> long, long walk. A long walk. But I mean, you know, he's really not, he's burning all those calories. It's nonstop. So now would you do it? Yeah, like how would that work? I mean, obviously you had your lacrosse stick. I, you, you played lacrosse in a lot of the, the lot of the, the, the states, or how did that go? Because I, I thought I heard something, or you, you definitely tried to play lacrosse in almost every state, or, or something to that extent. I played, I played wall ball in every single state I um, that I went through, and I filmed it and I put it on TikTok. Um, I tried to play in a very unique place that right, you know cool. to show, you know, like. Um, you know, different places. So, like, I, I played next to a highway where there's, like, a huge, like, Maryland sign that says, welcome to Maryland. I would just be throwing the lacrosse ball yeah. off the Maryland and, you know. Video and, of course, there. Maryland's a huge lacrosse uh, uh, lacrosse state. Um, and, and I want to get into that. I want to talk about when we played lacrosse and, and, the, and the sport and what it was to what it is now. Um you know, I, I guess, like I said, let's get into that. I mean, what's your idea and your perception of, I mean, where, when we played, which was just an amazing, fun time. It's a lot of sports combined into one, um, which is, which is cool. So it's fast paced. Uh, you know, it's got it's similar to basketball, football, soccer. I mean, it's a little bit of everything in one, right? So, um, but where it's actually gone now right to to where we are now and and more people that are playing it and major league you know we'll talk about that there was no mm -hmm. major league mll at the time right uh the game has changed so much uh since we played the sticks are incredibly um like a lot more technologically advanced than when we were played when we played um they're a lot lighter um you know now they determine your stick type by the position you play. So now there's a defensive stick, there's a midi attack stick, and there's a face-off stick now. Wow. When we, when we were growing well, up, we Keith, was a, Keith, was, Keith was played center midi. I played right wing, uh, right midi and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Keith used to take a lot of the the, um, the, the face-offs. And then when, you know, when I had to enforce, I used to go in and, and do it every once in a while. But but uh, it was crazy because, you know, we have to get a special stick at the time. It was a little bit thicker on the sides to be able to clamp over or to rake or whatever you wanted to do. And now they have an actual you know, face-off stick, which is, which is pretty, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, if you look at the game these days, it is so fast. And especially with now about what, 90% of the teams playing on turf, you know, like right. we, bar we barely played on turf unless you played in college. 
So, you know, the ball would bounce weird. And, <laughs> yep. uh, you would have to. So if it was bouncing, you would have to kind of see. So the bounce shots were really hard for goalies. But now it's on turf. It's just like you can kind of see it a lot easier. And um, it, it's made the game faster and it's evolved the game to be a lot quicker. The, uh, the ball movement's amazing. Um, and just the speed of the play is, you know, so quick. And uh, we have, we we actually ended up going to school. Uh, obviously, you know we're hired in Lower Marion. Everybody knows Kobe Bryant for Lower Marion. But there was another player called uh, named John Christmas who was, uh, you know, and again I don't know his whole story, but I remember that he was. Well, he he had definitely had a write up of one of the top black athletes of all time, um, but one of the best black. A lacrosse players. It was the first black lacrosse player to get a full ride scholarship, which was pretty amazing as in itself. Um, and you said, I thought it was talking to you. You said he was right next to Jim Brown in this, in this league. So we were lucky to play with a lot of people, but that's what I said, you know, just kids nowadays. I mean, there's more students playing it. There's more schools that offer it. Um, and I think that there's more eyes on it. We had major league lacrosse, of course, indoor lacrosse. It's super fast paced. Um, you know, it's completely different, uh, sport, indoor lacrosse than, than outdoor lacrosse. But, um, but you see, I mean, now you're obviously still in lacrosse and things like that. What are you seeing? I mean, is it just more widespread or better players coming up? I mean, there's obviously advances in, in, uh, the equipment as usual. I mean, I don't know if you guys know, this comes from the Indians. The Indians created, American Indians created lacrosse. So I felt the way you were just talking, we sounded like when we were playing the sticks that we watched these wooden sticks when they were throwing people's heads around back in the day. Cause that's really now, you know, it was, it was crazy. Right. I mean, came from, came from Indians, right, Keith? Yeah. It did. It, it, it was created by, uh, yeah, Native Americans. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to just say it's from America. It's also from Canada, well, North America. So, um, but yeah, that's why it's, you know, it's one of Canada's uh, national sports. Um, but I do actually, I do want to uh, kind of go back to um, John Christmas, you said. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Please it. do that. Yeah. He, he played with um, Jim Brown. Uh, he didn't play with Jim Brown. Uh, there was an article in a lacrosse magazine where they named the top, I guess, uh, black athletes um, to contribute to lacrosse. And uh, um, John Christmas, uh, his name was uh, as one of the best black lacrosse players uh, uh, was mentioned in that with Jim Brown's name. Yeah, I should have clarified that. I think I misspoke there. Sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, no, it's all right. And, uh, you know, uh, me playing lacrosse and, you know, uh, John playing lacrosse, we grew up. Um, and, you know, I got to talk to him a lot. Um, and I still do. Still one of my good friends. And one of the interesting things that he said to me was my dad was his very first lacrosse coach. How see, that? yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I see you're rocking the Eagles hat, of, of course, course. representing yeah. Philly. I love that. And then you played in, in Honolulu, right? So you played yeah. in Hawaii. Yeah, I, I played in Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii lacrosse, I, I, I actually, I'm fortunate enough to have played lacrosse like all over the world. Not because of, you know, um, playing for a certain team that travels. It's like when I lived in Korea, 
I got to play on the Korean team um, and then also on the Japanese team. And, you know, just wherever I could take it, I played lacrosse. And then when I moved to Hawaii, I played in Hawaii. So I got to experience playing in a lot of different places, which was an amazing experience because you see how different the game is in different countries and different places. Uh, you know, East Coast is basically the hotbed of lacrosse um, in, you know, in America, but it, it is growing. Um, but it is so competitive here on the East Coast. Like, it, it, you know, it doesn't matter at what age you play. It is very competitive. Whereas if you play in Hawaii or if you play in other places, it's not as competitive. It's more of just having fun, learning the game, um, and just, you know, enjoying the sport just for the experience of it. And uh, how are other countries perce- uh, perceived of, I mean, again, I mean, playing in Korea, right? In Asia and things like that. Wh- how do they, I mean, is it like other sports where there's like a niche, like obviously football, football is the worldwide sports soccer. But when you're talking about American football, there's patches of country, you know, that they play these, but they're just not big. And that's what I'm saying. Are you seeing that lacrosse across the world is getting a little, because usually our otter sports in America are usually the ones that take off in other countries more. Right. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say that they're taking off in other countries, but it is growing. Okay. And if it, and if you look at if you look at you know the two countries that are the most dominant in lacrosse in you know just if you look at like the World Lacrosse League it's um, usually it's always Canada and then you know USA those are usually the top two countries and then it's sprinkled in with you know England and some of the other uh, countries but now Japan is growing so fast and their their skills are improving so you know uh, drastically that they are starting to compete with some of the top tier teams um uh in you know in the tournaments and then you get some of the like you get some of the smaller countries like for example like uganda has a team um crazy who would have thought that yeah right yeah. and uh, john uh, to go back john christmas helped coach that team when they first went um an interesting fact is uganda when they went to the world games they had like never really played in the world games they it was their first year whatever they beat one team their first win who do you think it was against the united states canada oh canada no uh, Korea. Korea. <laughs> Korea. I, I mean, it's, that was my third. I mean, that was where I was going. <laughs> yeah, so, I should have spent, because of course you're going to say Korea. Guess who they played? Korea. <laughs> yeah, so Korea lost to Uganda. So it's, it, it, was, it was like, it was one of those things where it's just like, oh, God, we'll always be, Korea will always be known as Korea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> lost to Uganda. Um, yeah. Um, so, no, so let's, now obviously with Cannabis Show and things like that, mm-hmm. you've had some experience. we got to get you some products out there. I know you recently broke your legs so we want to get you some stuff um you know uh we, we grew up in a time where it was different right so cannabis was kind of a dirty word uh as we were playing sports uh you know it's not something that we would have wanted to 
be taking while we're playing. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've had some experience with cannabis. Um, do you feel like it would have helped you or do you feel like it's helped? It would help you now. Or um, what was your experience with cannabis? Uh, you know, if you've had any, or you do have. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I've dabbed in ca at cannabis uh, throughout my life. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's my main focus, you know, but right. um, I remember the very first time trying it. Um, I was in high school, but, you know, we won't. Wow. Details. Yeah. News to me. Um, yeah. And um, it was it, that like was a very, very interesting feeling for me. It's it. It was just everything for me was just super slow. I remember, I remember we were playing um, Bond. Um, do you remember that game? Um, <laughs> Bond, Goldeneye. Yeah, <laughs> Goldeneye, yeah, Goldeneye Bond. Yeah, and, yeah, of course. And I was playing with you know a whole bunch of people, and <laughs> like that was my first time ever doing anything like that. And one of my friends, he like I thought I was playing really well, and he just <laughs> comes to me, he taps me on the shoulder, he's like. Why have I been running into that wall for ten minutes? <laughs> <laughs> well, they must love playing with you because you were an easy. They just come behind you with the silence, with the, like, with the bond gun. Have I been? I I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, oh geez, because I my perception was I was playing well, but the, you know their perception was they're just like, like dude, you've been just you're spaced out. <laughs> yeah. You're spaced out. And I think that a lot of people looking for the secret doorway, right? It's looking for the, exactly. Um, no, but you know, and I think that's the perception of a lot of people at first because yeah. your body's not used to it. They're not used to handling yeah. it. So it's funny. Like we'll have athletes on that talk about how they've used it in, in cannabis, uh, use cannabis and wish they did it because it slows down the game for them a little bit. But you have to be, have some experience to know, and you have to know the exact dosage that works for you, right? So, but a lot of people, and, and what I was really going to get into, again, you haven't had a ton of experience, but right. have you ever tried to use it after sports or playing or being injured or, or just sore, right? Have you ever used it after that and non saw non-recreational where it actually helped you with aches and pains and things like that as well. So that, that's what I was asking. Um, I did, but it was by mistake. <laughs> okay. All right. So I was, um, I was in Hawaii and uh, we played in this big, um, you know, big tournament at a polo field. It was like an all day event. Um, and, uh, you know, we played, I guess, like, you know, two or three games. And at that time, I was, you know, not the youngest player, but I wasn't the oldest player. But, you know, I was – so it, you start feeling it a little bit. And then um, after the tournament was done, I was feeling a little bit sore, um, not, you know uh, – but nothing that I couldn't handle, but just, like, a little bit of soreness. And <laughs> I remember one of the guys, um, he, he was like, hey, do you want to – you know, uh, an ash brownie. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try it, you know, like, yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? And it, it has brownie in it, first of all. Yeah. So that's, why would you not want to try it? <laughs> that, and so the, one of, one of my um, other friends, he was like, he was like, he, just to let you know, he puts in a lot, like, <laughs> a lot of what? <laughs> just 
because at first I want to take the whole thing. He's like, uh, 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 uh. no, no, no. He's like, maybe take about one fourth. Right, right. I was like, I was like okay, well, I trust the guy. So I, you know, I, I tried about one fourth of it, and um, and everybody's done this. They trust the guy that gave it to you, yeah. and sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes that's a bad thing. Um, so yeah, I, I tried about one fourth, and man, it was like. I, I was, in the beginning, I was like, as soon as I ate it, like I didn't really feel it. But after a little bit, like the effects started, you know, coming on, and you know, I was like, all right, when's the next game? Come on, let's. let's go. <laughs> but that that feeling lasted maybe only maybe about like twenty minutes, and then after that, I was knocked on my butt, and I was. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's important, listeners. You need to find your dose because obviously, well, you have no real. Exp- I mean, you know, you just you know, hash is hash is strong. Um, you don't really have a lot of experience. Your endocannabinoids aren't really ready for all that, and you almost get sensory overload. Is what really happens to people, and they don't understand. And some people take it very easily. Like, all right, I'm high. I know I'm high, and I'm going to ride this out. Some people go and they say, um, let me just, let me just get really freaked out and make myself a, a nut and a nervous wreck because my anxiety kicks in because I'm either feeling super slow or I feel like it's hard to breathe or, and again, people, this is all in your head. Okay. There is nothing in cannabis that is ever going to, I mean, like you can't overdose, you know, people will call the cops, you know, the ambulance or the, and, and, and they really are like, well, they call the cops too, right. But they'll say like, you know, and there's really not much they can do for you. Now, the one interesting point of this, Keith, is, is that when you have a little too much THC in your body, it actually can be negated with CBD because it's antagonist protagonist. So it actually works in exactly opposite polar opposite so if you're really really high the antidote for that and they used to sell it in colorado in the beginning when people would do this very thing is is, oh we have the it was just cbd so cbd does work to reverse something it just has to work with the science of the receptor and it basically takes over that thc receptor and it helps reduce those effects um also yeah, it's kind of smothers it a little bit. I mean, you're still going to be high, but it's going to be a lot less. And obviously, you're going to want to drink a ton of water. But the effects that you probably got as an anti-inflammatory from that, um, that you felt good, after you would have recovered from that, uh, you know, from from feeling the, the little bit of weirdness that you felt, um, you will notice that your your body does react to it. You your joints are usually a little bit it's a strong anti-inflammatory, right? So it helps repair the muscles, uh, the soreness, the joints, and things like that. And so a lot of people do use that um, for that. And so I'm excited to get you some product, um, you know, and so you could try it if you want. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, these days when we when we talk about this, it's not it's not such like a hush hush topic anymore, you know, uh, as, uh, you know, as uh, Nick was saying, when we grew up, it was, you know, hush hush. It was like, oh, you know, um, you would never ever tell anyone what you were doing unless, you know, you're with your friends who did the same thing. So like it was, it was a very, very small group that would, you know, 
do it. But these days, it's all over the place. You know, it's it's basically legal in a lot of the states now. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. I don't know exactly how many states, but um, no, no. Well, it's it's yep. it's well, CBD is legal in all fifty states, depending on the percentages. And then, uh, yeah, more than half of all the states, in the United States, have at least. Um, well, have at least recreational. Most states have at least prescription uh, based from a doctor's recommendation yeah. if you need it. Yeah. And I've met a lot of people that have um, that, ha- that has a, the medical marijuana card. Um, right. And uh, people say it's like really easy to get. Um, well, we do them here. We actually do them at Purewell on Fridays from two to six little chance for me to get that in there but if anyone's local and you want we do have a doctor that comes from two to six but we have a lot of products that you don't even need to do that you know we have a lot of products that would help you that are made for inflammation that you won't have to worry about getting your medical marijuana card it's completely legal and it helps with long-term anti-inflammatory with no side effects so remember go on hemp 20 promo code on the pure well and check that out but yeah exactly keith it's it's the fact of it is easily available. And what Empire has really become and the, the, the podcast has become is erasing the stigmas of cannabis, educating. So it's not just you getting something, right, or being afraid to talk about it or talking about it, but how many people it actually changes their life and helps them. And that's why, you know, having somebody who went to high school with and, and, and know what it's like to, to be in battle with him um, and, and how, I mean, your body it's probably, you know, not like we were when we were in high school. And the amount of effects that you might get from that could just be sleeping issues, right? You could have something with your sleep that helps you sleep and get more into REM. It could be something that you are struggling with stress or anxiety with, with work and the things that we didn't have when we were growing up, right? Now we have bills and we have all these other crazy things that happen and uh, family issues and, and, and things. So, um, you know, it really just depends on finding what works for you and, and being able to use it to supplement, not getting stoned all day long. And, and, you know, this is not what we're trying to say. We're just trying to say that there's, there's a benefit to it and more people should know um, they should be educated about it. Instead of just saying, no, 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 like I would never do this. Maybe be a little more open-minded to say, I'm willing to give it a shot. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to be totally zonked out or slow and get my ass kicked in, in bond. Um, <laughs> and it might just help me with my knees or my leg that I just broke because my, my boy f- threw me into a car. Shout out to him, by the way. Horrible. <laughs> Don't feel bad about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah so and that's why uh i just loved your story keith and 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 and, and you know i love you man you know you're uh you know it, it, what you do and what how you did it and and how you're trying to bring awareness to cancer and doing what you did was just something that was amazing to me and i i wish that more people had that ability to just get up in the morning and say, I'm going to do something not just for me, but something for someone else or change something uh, that maybe makes a difference. Because when we're all gone, you know, you just have your name and what you've done. And, and that'll always, I mean, you have your, I think you have your lacrosse stick in the, the lacrosse hall of fame or something or something. Where do you have it in there? You have yeah, your lacrosse so- stick somewhere. Yeah, so my lacrosse stick and the ball, which I walked across the U.S. with, is now in the um, 
the Philadelphia Lacrosse Hall of Fame. Nice. Nice. See what I mean? Like, it's such a cool thing. (laughs) And you know that you did it for cancer, right? It's not like you just walked across the country. You, you, You raised a lot of money for cancer and more importantly, the awareness. And people need to know if you are going to support a specific, uh, whatever the cause is, could be animals, could be anything, know who you're giving your money to. Let's make sure that that money's actually going to the cause and not going to his new Ferrari. Uh, because, uh, I mean, or we want to. Or, or his exact. There you go, Pete, obviously. Um, no, but just know, do a little research, right? Um, and make sure that you're, you're supporting something that's really supporting the cause that you want to do. Um, and that could be a cannabis fund. That could be pure wall and empire. That could be cancer. That could be animals. That could be anything, but just know. And that's why we always say get educated, right? So, um, I mean, Pete, tell them where we should, you know, how they can support us, how, what, where they need to go. Take us out. Well, yeah, what well, you guys could do, one, we want to appreciate your time, and uh, you can support uh, Ke- uh, Keith here if you go to uh, KCD Adventure, correct? Follow you anywhere there? Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us there, we are over at purewell.com. That's P-U-R-W-E-L-L.com. And remember, and check out all our items there and use that code for 20% off. The code is HEMPIRE, H-E-M-P-I-R-E, so make sure you use that at checkout. And to support us, please like, subscribe, follow, and share with all your friends at all your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeart Radio, Cannabis Radio, Amazon, and anywhere else you like to get your podcast listened to. Other than that, Nick, is hopefully next week everybody's got a little more educated and uh, we'll do this again love it thanks guys thanks keith for being on the show i really do appreciate it thank you, oh, thanks for having me it was a blast i mean you know it's always good like i said it's always good to see a familiar face and you know uh, meet new friends so um you know hopefully i'll come down to south florida and you know uh we can uh catch up on old times again you know you take a car though you don't have to walk <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll probably fly. <laughs> Look, you're upgrading already. But listen, Keith, you better bring your lacrosse stick because we're gonna we're gonna throw it around a little bit. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, you got it, Take bud. Take it easy. Have a good yeah. one, guys. Yeah, pleasure. Take care, guys. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.